0: Welcome to Who's a Good Dog? I'm Kate Lever, journalist and author of the book Good Dog. I'm joined, as always, by my perfect dog, Bert. But I can't guarantee he'll contribute much in the way of conversation. He is very cute, though. On each episode of Who's a Good Dog? I talk to a very good person about their very good dogs. Today, it's podcaster Stu Oakley. Stu hosts a show with Lottie Jeffs called Some Families, which celebrates LGBTQI families. He's also worked in publicity for some of the biggest franchises of all time. And I don't even need to say the titles of the films. Just know that he's done PR for Wizards and Jedis. He also has two exquisite Labradors called Annie and Millie, and we're about to hear all about them. welcome please introduce me to the girls tell me who's chocolate who's blonde
2: oh hi Kate thank you for having me well us it's the first time I've recorded with the girls in the room actually so (laughs) um yeah Annie's our beautiful chocolate Labrador and Millie is our beautiful blonde Labrador or as a friend's child once said um she's our white chocolate um, Labrador, <laughs> which I quite like. So, so maybe instead of blonde, I'll describe her as white chocolate.
0: Yeah, beautiful, perfect. I love it. Now, in dog years, I believe the girls are in their kind of retirement stage, the twilight years of life, 15 and 13.
2: Yeah, they'd be getting letters from the Queen and all sorts if they were in in human years. Yeah, they're old. They're very old, bless them. Oh, bless them. And
0: do they behave like older dogs? Or do they still have a bit of puppy energy sometimes? Yes,
2: no, they do not. People stop me now when I walk them. And when I say walk, I mean, like, we shuffle along. (laughs) Like walks that we used to take five minutes now take half an hour and people come and stop us and go, oh, oh, look at them. They're so old. And I'm like, I know, so old.
0: (laughs) Do the girls kind of keep pace with each other in this slow shuffle that you go on?
2: Weirdly, Annie is a little bit quicker. She's the older one, but I think Millie's got quite a lot of arthritis, bless her. So, I mean, they both do, but Millie's arthritis seems to be particularly bad. So she does little, she shuffles along, which is so weird because they were so sprightly, so sprightly, especially Millie. So, you know, it's 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 weird. We're so blessed to have seen them grow into old ladies, there's oh. not many because a lot of people don't get to see their dogs grow into old ladies, and yes. we're so lucky that they have. But at the same time, it's it's sad because you see them age before you. So, and that's mm. that's one of the cruelties of of animals and dogs, isn't it? Is that they're they're so part of your family and your life, but they're with you for such a short time, really. In oh, the yeah, in the grand scheme of things, so.
0: Yeah, and unless unless we want to be like I think Barbara Streisand it was who spent tens of thousands of dollars oh cloning several of her dogs, um, which I'm not on board with, but I do think maybe science could yeah. work on extending the lifespan of a dog so that they could hang around for a bit longer. Um, Take me back to when they used to be sprightly young things, when you first got them. They're both rescue dogs, I understand. Did you get them at the same time? Did you get one and then realise she absolutely had to have a best friend? What happened?
2: So we first got Annie and she was three. It was a really cute story with Annie because we went over to the Blue Cross, who we rescued Annie from, and we had seen another dog on their website, another Labrador. I think a a white chocolate one actually. And they said, Oh, we'll bring we'll bring this dog out and you can have a look. And it's weird actually, because we thought we'd see any dog and just fall straight in love with any mm-hmm. dog. But they brought the dog out and there just wasn't there just wasn't something there. And they said, Oh, well let's just show her playing with with another dog. And they brought out Annie. Oh. <laughs> and we were just like oh my God, she's beautiful. We love her. Like we, there was something about Annie that we just fell completely in love with. And we said, oh, you know, is she available? And she wasn't. She had, she had two people on her waiting list. So we kind of soon forgot about it and said, okay, well, we'll think about the other one and, you know, we'll come back to you. But we were really dead set on Annie. And then they called us and said, Annie's become available Um, would you be interested? Because you were kind of, we know that you were really keen Mm. on her. So it's kind of, it felt like fate, really. Yeah. I think the people that were above us, one, were going on a massive holiday and were like, oh, can you keep her until we get back? And they were like, no. And then the other one, I think it was her husband hadn't signed off on the fact that they were going to have a dog. So... She ended up being ours. So, and then fast forward, it was about a year and a half, a year. And it was that really. I've always liked the idea of having more than one dog. And it just felt like it would be nice for Annie to have a mate. Mm. Um, and so we went back to the Blue Cross and that's when we got Millie. So beautiful. Beautiful.
0: I feel like there's a public service announcement that needs to be told to people, and that is that breeds as beautiful as Labradors are available as rescues. As I think a lot of people have all these misconceptions about rescue shelters that it's just full of certain breeds that people, you know, don't feel that affectionate towards, even though they should because staffies and greyhounds that, you know shelters are full of, are absolute sweethearts and have some of the gentlest natures. But if you're set on getting a Labrador, or in my case, if you're obsessed with getting a Shih Tzu, it's absolutely possible to rescue one. You just find the right one.
2: Totally, totally. And we had we had our mindset on Labradors um, and they are how wonderful.
0: They are heaven. Funny that you should say that you fell for a dog that had A few people on the waiting list, and that you believe in dog fate. Because if Mm. there's any kind of fate I believe in, it's dog fate.
2: I love that dog fate. Yeah,
0: (laughs) we had a similar sort of situation with our Bert, who was called Mungo when we went to pick him up from Battersea. I found Bert, or formerly known as Mungo, late on a Friday evening. Sent my boyfriend sixty-three messages on WhatsApp in in a two-hour period while he was still at work and then just decided to turn up at Battersea in Old Windsor, so the the shelter that's two trains and a bus or something away from us. We decided to turn up just before opening time so that we could be like, hello, we're here to pick up the perfect dog. Um, But when we got there, I said, hi, I'm here to meet Mungo. And she was like, well, no, a family rang this morning first thing, um, and they're coming to meet him tomorrow. And so here I was, possibly not going to be matched with the perfect dog, It was snowing. I went out onto a bench by a lake on the grounds and my boyfriend will never let me forget that apparently I slumped onto the bench crying and said, this rescue game is tough (laughs) and just like was inconsolable. Um, But thankfully, like in your beautiful happy ending story, this family that came to meet my dog had another dog and they brought that dog with them and Mungo, now Bert, was really rude to the dog so they went home without Perfect. him
2: i thought you were gonna say i was gonna say unfortunately they had a terrible accident <laughs> on the uh, on the way to the rescue center you with your like in your sniper gear i would I have welcomed that <laughs>
0: <laughs> um but yeah so they called me back the next day and they were like are you still interested in this dog and i said am i i will be there at the as possible Aww, Time.
1: Dog, fate. Dog, dog fate dog fate
0: dog fate so lovely Help me get my timeline right here. Okay. Because you're married with kids and two dogs now. Who arrived into your life first? Your husband, the dogs, the kids? Oh, the
2: the husband arrived first. (laughs) The husband arrived first, and then the dogs, and now the kids. Yeah. And it's been quite a. It's been. it's been quite I'm trying not to say the word journey we have a long-running joke on the podcast that we use the word journey too much and once now I use it (laughs) I use it all the time but it has been quite a journey it's been interesting as well having three really young children with two really old dogs Mm. in some ways it works really well and in other ways it's just a nightmare so
0: how old are the kids,
2: The kids are now five, three, and two.
0: Oh, yes, so some really little ones.
2: Really little ones. And they love the dogs. The dogs don't love them. A oh. uh, bit of tail pulling, perhaps. Maybe yeah, tugging just, on ears. Yeah, or just the general noise and the fuss. So, mm. you know, uh, as I said, Annie and Millie are in the later years, and when the kids came along... They were used to, we would go out. She's having a good scratch now. Um,
0: <laughs> I can hear it. That's yeah, so you can sweet. hear us.
2: It great. The dogs would be used to just laying in the house all day. When we were at work, we would have a dog walker that would come in and walk them in the middle of the day. Um, so, this was obviously pre COVID time when we weren't working from home. And They love that life, especially Annie. Annie's just like a dog who could just sleep all day. She just loves her peace and quiet. She just adores it. So when the kids came along, they'd gone from this, my quiet life. So not only were my husband and I in the house all the time, they had suddenly children in the house. And honestly, Annie's eyes, I looked into them and she was just looking at us going, what have you done to my life? Why are all these children making these it's like throwing it's like throwing preschool kids into a, a nursing home, which in some ways works, but Enough is not not long not long term. So uh,
0: and now she's she's seeking her revenge by scratching loudly in the background while yeah, you're recording a
2: podcast. I know she may scratch for quite a uh, while. It might just have to become a background because bless her, she's got really bad skin at the moment. We need to oh, take her back to darling. the vets, but it's like bright red and it's like where she nibbles it, it kind of like all comes off. And
0: oh, darling. Well, just I mean, we won't just we won't disturb her, but. Um, just a note to our listeners that if you can hear a kind of scratchly, scratchly noise in the background as Stu is talking, it's just an angel attending to her itchy
2: skin. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Me. It's it's not me. <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> a canine angel.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Speaking of your children, you told me that you actually sort of used the example of the way you care for the dogs as a way of persuading a social worker that you'd be wonderful adoptive parents. Do you want to tell me a bit more about
2: that? Yeah, so it was really interesting, actually, because I think a lot of people go through that journey of having animals first before they have children. And some people, I think, laugh at that sometimes and some people don't get actually, I think it's a really good training ground that if you are wanting to have children, knowing you can look and care for an animal first Mm -hmm. together is actually a really good test of your relationship and test of your nurturing skills. And so when we were going through the adoption process, obviously through the adoption process, you have to go through many different layers, many different panels, many different interviews. You are basically assessed as to whether you are able to become an adoptive parent mm. um, one of the things that came up constantly was the fact that we had the two dogs from a positive point of view and actually annie had had um quite bad cancer um mm. about a year before we started the adoption process and she'd been on chemotherapy and she'd got through it she had a massive operation And there were examples we were able to give of how we used to sit with Annie through the night for weeks. My husband and I would do shifts so that we'd sit through the night with her because she'd be so poorly um, and look after her and clean up any mess or let her out because she was constantly, the chemotherapy was making her poo, etc. So... Just using that as an example of how we were dedicated to her needs and were able to drop everything and focus on her as a priority just allowed them to see that we were able to do that for another living being, as it were.
0: Yeah. I just think it's such a lovely example. I mean, I've just in in terms of thinking about my own future, I've always thought that if I were going to have children, it would be through an adoption process rather than biologically for all sorts of reasons.
2: Do it. It's the same. It's the same as dogs. There are so many dogs out there that need a home. There are so many children out there that need a home. I know it is slightly different, but (laughs) no,
0: I'm glad. I'm glad you said it because you, I mean, yes, essentially that is one of the things that I believe. And, uh, you just you do have to be careful who you say it to because some people do mm. take offense at, at um, yeah. you know comparing uh, dog children to human children. Although I will say that I did it once with a friend and and her husband who were around for dinner some time ago and uh, I just sort of accidentally very much compared their quite young toddler to our Shih Tzu. (laughs) And then I sort of caught myself and I was like, oh, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to undermine, you know, the magnitude of parenting a human child. And he was like, no, Kate, honestly, like – There are a lot of parallels. There are.
2: (laughs) There really really are. And also, I think being someone that I've got, you know, three kids and two dogs, Mm. I feel I can actually say sometimes the dogs are harder and it's, you know, and also the dogs never grow up in that way, I always Mm. say. Yeah. Like having Annie and Millie for 15 years, they've not grown up in those 15 years. They still need the same level of care and attention that they needed when they were younger. And yes, kids need care and attention all the way through from one till 15. But at least by the time they've got to 15, they are able to make you a cup of tea. They are able to walk (laughs) to school on their own. They are able to put their shoes on or get dressed. Like they grow up and they learn things. Dogs never do. So that becomes... And actually even worse, like we're experiencing now, they're so old that they need a lot of care. And that is challenging. Like we have to put blankets down on the floor every night because Annie often likes to have a 1am 2am poo um so it's like <laughs> oh, we've have to put all the it's 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 all those things that just add on to to everything it's just yeah. it's nuts
0: plus they don't sort of as you say ever well develop language skills or know that no. they could maybe knock on your door and say daddy I need to go I need to go <laughs> or exactly. I need my help I need your exactly. help
2: exactly it's like after 15 years, Annie has still not learned if she just barked for us in the middle of the night, we would probably get up and let her out. But instead, she just paces around and goes, bless her.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, maybe she doesn't want to disturb you. But yes, there is a language barrier between people and their dogs that doesn't exist yeah. so much between people and their children. Yeah. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author, and host of Women vs. Hollywood, a new podcast from the Stripped Media family. We're exploring the fall and rise of women in Hollywood, from the silent era to the present day and into the future. Each episode, I'm joined by three or more special guests to discuss the challenges that women face in the film industry and look at what we can do to change the picture, We've got actors, directors, producers, writers, academics, film experts, you name it. They're all here to explain what's going on in Hollywood. Search
1: for Women vs. Hollywood now, wherever you're listening to this, and come join us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
0: my dog being so supportive when I go through depressive episodes. Mm -hmm. But I basically decided to profile a lot of other good dogs, which meant talking to organizations and charities and all that sort of thing and tracking down a bunch of other dogs who were doing beautiful things for human beings. Now, you may not be surprised to find that that meant I spoke to a lot of Labradors or I should more accurately say spoke to the humans (laughs) who lived with a lot of Labradors because when you're looking for good dogs doing good things for human beings Labradors are often the ones you know they're up
2: there yeah Yeah.
0: because they're just so beautifully natured I met one called Gwen this unbelievably elegant Labrador in Sydney who supports the victims of crime at a court of law Mm. I met one called Jingles who works at a medium security prison in Belfast just angel dogs and basically when I was speaking to Guide Dogs New South Wales, who is the organisation that trained Gwen, um, bless her, I'm not la- I'm not meant to use the word failure, but she did kind of drop out of guide dog training and become <laughs> a, a more of a sort of comfort led therapy dog. That
2: was obviously her. That was her calling.
0: Yes, she was too friendly, too too sociable because guide dogs have to be very focused on their task. They have to be very serious and good learners yeah. and stuff, and that just wasn't her vibe. So my point being that Labradors are specifically sought out to be therapy dogs and to have all these other beautiful supportive jobs because they're so Mm -hmm. smart and they're so sweet and they're so angelic. Would you agree with that characterization of the breed? And do your girls kind of give you unofficial emotional support dog stuff?
2: I agree with the the characteristics. Apart from the angelic, I don't think ours (laughs) are angelic. But a hundred percent from a supportive point of view especially from a mental health point of view and also the time that they make you spend I think which is sometimes is one of the most annoying thing about having a dog but it's also one of the best things about having a dog and which is what I will will miss when they eventually go is forcing yourself out of a house on a Sunday morning when it's Absolutely chucking down with rain and wind, and it's horrible, and you just don't feel like it. But the moment you get out and you're walking them, and it's just you and them, that itself is so therapeutic. And again, was actually another thing that we gave as an example of how we would cope and how we would give ourselves self care, which was really important for Mm. our adoption process for them to hear about how we would look after ourselves in order to be able to look after the children. And I think for any parent, who has a dog would understand that that moment where you have to go out of the house and walk the dog actually is your moment to feel doesn't matter what's happening work-wise or with the kids or anything like that is your time with the dog and you're out and you're in the fresh air and it gives you a moment.
0: I mean, I'm an introvert who works from home and has various health problems going on most of the time. So I could very easily hibernate for days at a time, if not longer, mm-hmm. were it not for the fact that little Bert will come up to me and say, excuse me, it's time we for my to walk go. Now. Yeah. <laughs> my boyfriend and I talk about Bert all the time. Like we think of ourselves as a little family unit. So how have the dogs affected your relationship with your husband?
2: It's a weird one because we got Annie I think only two and a half years into our relationship ish mm. and we've been together 15 years now so it's a weird one because I don't remember life with him without the dogs. <laughs> I don't and I think he might say the same.
0: That's really nice it's so nice and I think you've totally nailed one of the loveliest things about having a dog and that is that once they in your life, you can barely remember what it was like before they arrived.
2: Which is, again, the same, you know, as another comparable to kids. You don't don't remember life really without kids. And it's the same with dogs. Like, they're such a huge part of your life that it becomes all-encompassing, really, from a good point of view.
0: Okay, now some quick fire questions where I'll get to know the girls more thoroughly they're Labradors they obviously love food what's their favourite food
2: anything any <laughs> single thing and the myth about Labradors just not having an off switch is so true they just yeah any kind of meat any type of <laughs> poo <laughs> Horse poo and... A delicacy. Yeah, just, oh my God, it's so gross. They love a fish finger. They love a chip.
0: Who doesn't?
2: I know. Labradors do not have an off switch. They do not.
0: What kind of eaters are they? Do they gobble each other's meals or are they polite diners?
2: They're not polite diners, but they they are respectful of each other. As long as Annie gets hers first and then Millie gets her bowl put down next and they gobble in literally seconds, um, <laughs> everything is gone. Um, and then what they do is they swap around and lick each other's bowls, which I always find okay. really interesting. They always... <laughs> just to make sure. It, yeah, just to make clean. sure. just Yeah, so it's, it's a weird kind of like little habit that they have. Where do they sleep at night? Annie sleeps downstairs because she can't do stairs anymore, but she used to like to sleep on the bed sometimes. Millie now likes to sleep on the bed every single night. And we we stopped it for quite a while, especially when the kids came. And she was fine. She used to sleep downstairs all the time. And then for some reason in the last year or two, I don't know if it's just her getting older, she just loves to come upstairs to the point where we have stair gates for the kids and for the dogs, and she learned how to open them by <laughs> flicking her nose underneath <laughs> and getting up. And she'd cause so much noise in the process at like two in the morning coming up that now we just we just go with it. Because it's easier just to let her up, let her sleep on the bed rather than her trying to wake the whole house up at two o'clock in the morning when she then decides she wants to come upstairs. So.
0: And where on the bed does she fit? Because she's quite big.
2: Yeah, she is big. <laughs> she, big. <laughs> she likes to sleep in the middle. Although, always bum first, as in, it's like she's top and tailing. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I really do not need that, especially with the flatulence and stuff. I'm like, it's just not on, Millie, is it? We have our words. don't we? Except it blessed. is on because
0: she's allowed to do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. She gets away with it. My husband lets them more than I would. But, yeah.
0: Have they ever done anything embarrassing?
2: Uh yes, all the time. I mean, they fart constantly and they smell and they bark at the wrong moments and picnics, that's the other thing with Labradors, like that typical if somebody's having a picnic in the park and they're off the lead, it's straight in there (laughs) and they've gone straight in before some you know lovely picnic that people are having and gobbled up a whole lunch
0: have they ever done anything heroic or impressive um no (laughs) (laughs) do you or either of the dogs have any creative projects you'd like to let us know about before we let you go
2: I mean, for me, it's really just the, it's just the podcast. So do give us a follow at Some Families Pod. Um, We are on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook. Um, and the one thing I will say is we love to invite people to come and have a listen from whatever background you are and I think that's been one of the things that people have responded to most about the podcast is people, straight people, people without kids, people wanting kids, just to learn and understand about how LGBTQ plus people have children and, and, and also just listen hopefully to some It's not just me bleating on about me all the time and Lottie, my co host. We actually meet some pretty fabulous people and we hear some really cool stories, and that's worth a listen.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So once you've finished listening to this podcast, go and listen to that one. Stu, thank you so much. And Annie and Millie, who are in the background. Annie, Annie,
2: are you asleep? Annie. (laughs) See, she's completely gone. Annie, who's that? She's gone. She's just so sparked out, bless her. Yeah.
0: Well, give them an extra pat for me.
2: I will do. I will do. Thank you for this. It's been really lovely.
0: You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Who's a Good Dog? If you liked the show, hit subscribe on your favourite podcast app and tell your friends at the dog park. If you didn't like it, keep it to yourself. And if you really, really liked it, I actually wrote a whole book about dogs. It's called Good Dog, celebrating the dogs who change and sometimes even save our lives. It's about my dog, Bert, and how he helped me through depression, and 10 other good dogs who've helped their people too. There's an elegant Labrador who supports the victims of crime, an autism support pug, and a collie who can smell blood sugar. Basically, if you like dogs, I can almost guarantee you'll like this book. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok on at KateIlever. This episode of Who's a Good Dog was produced by Arlie Adlington. Original music is by Luke Batt, and the artwork is by Ryan Hodge. Moral support and licks provided by Bertie the Dog.
1: Who's a good dog? You just heard a Stripped Media Production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.